All right. We are grateful for everyone that's here today. We look forward to sharing with you the things that the uh, Lord have laid on my heart to share. Today we're going to talk about a man that uh, really hardly ever gets talked about. He gets mentioned sometimes when you're mentioning other people. Uh, but uh, today, if the Lord say the same, we're going to look at his uh, we're going to look at his story. And uh, unfortunately, and uh, we're going to also <laughs> be talking about uh, a little science. And my prayer is that um, that the things that the Lord is going to say today will help us and that they will uh, that we'll think about these things as we're living our spiritual journey with the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the 18th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. The 18th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. Now my prayer is that we will uh, Really give heed to what the Lord is going to say. All right. Uh, all right, Brother Jones, can I borrow your? Oldest three. All right, y'all come on up. <laughs> come on up. Y'all get there. Come on. All right. Come on, Jonathan. You sit up here. Cause that's what we're going to be talking about today. You can come on up and sit up here. And we're going to pretend y'all are in a vehicle. Y'all got it. Y'all in a y'all's minivan with the three row seating. All right, so can y'all pretend that they're in a vehicle? Three row seating. So who's driving then? All right, give me my phone. That phone out of there. We want to and we're gonna pretend just give it a hit the whole thing. We're going to pretend that this is the steering wheel, so you can act like you're driving with that. Newton's first law states, how many of you heard of Newton, Isaac Newton? This, he had three laws that we know of. First law states that every object will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line. Un now, y'all think spiritually. So y'all get it so far? Every object will remain at rest or in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change its state by the action of an external force. That's Newton's first law. In other words, so let's bring this in. The first, uh, the, the, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. So when God calls us to live for him, 
then doesn't he call us to walk a straight line? So let's think of it this way. God's way of doing things, which is the straight line, um, that's the most uncomplicated way. It doesn't mean that you don't suffer, but God's way, that straight line between uh, you and heaven, I should say it that way, is the most uncomplicated way. Don't mean that there won't be complications. I mean, it will be the most uncomplicated. And so, every object, so when people first, let's think about it this way. Let me read this law again. Every object will remain at rest. Everybody see that? So what, what is, with, now let's think of spiritually so, a faithful rest, not bothered by anything, not, not moved by anything. Every object will remain at rest. Now let's think about the object as you, as a, a person that's living for the Lord. You're the object. You will remain at rest and in uniform motion in a straight line unless compelled to change its state by the action of an external force. That means after people give their lives to the Lord, if they remain steadfast, they won't be moved, they won't be shaken, and the devil won't be able to take their peace. But there is an external force, the devil himself, and he comes with temptation. He comes with things to try to get you upset. He comes with a shorter way to do it, a better way, a less uh, suffering way. And when you, if you yield to that, it will get you off course. And it changes who you are. Does everybody see that now? So is everybody there? The 18th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to start reading. So, of course, today we're going to talk a little bit about Jonathan. We're going to talk about, of course, you know, Jonathan was the son of Saul. And we're going to see, we're going to read a little bit more about him and try to get an understanding. And let's try to see our life in Jonathan's life. So we'll start reading at verse 1 says, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Everybody see that now? Does everybody see that? The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Does everybody see that? They were, and you could call them best friends, as close as what two friends could be. Look what that says. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow, and to his girdle. Everybody see that? So you know what? why Jonathan did that? Because Jonathan understood that David was supposed to be king. And he understood, even if I outlive my father, I'm, I'm not going to accept the crown. That's, gonna, that's the reason why he stripped himself 
of, of his own kingly or princely attire and gave it to David. You're, gonna, you're the next in line. Isn't that something now? All right, so now let's go over to chapter 19. We're going to start reading at verse 1. Of course, you know the in-between story. David gets, uh, <laughs> David gets jealous of, of, I mean, I'm sorry, Saul gets jealous of King David, of David, because the people, the women are singing, Saul have killed their thousands and David his ten thousands. And so from there, an evil spirit went out from the Lord to David, uh, to Saul. Verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. Everybody see that? Let me read that again. And Saul spake to who? Wait a minute. I thought Jonathan made a covenant with King David. Isn't that what we just read? Took off his robe, took off all of the stuff that made him a prince and gave it to King David. But Saul spake to Jonathan and his servants and, to, uh, and told them, when y'all see David, kill him on sight. Now, brothers and sisters, I, I want to make this clear that God don't deal with half-steppers. When you living for God, people ought to know about it. The reason why Saul told Jonathan to kill David was because Jonathan kept his mouth shut about whose side he was really on. The reason why sometimes the devil come and tempt people the way that he does, the reason why some folks that are close to you don't mind speaking against the people that you are close to is because you have not put your foot down and made it known who you're really with. Too scared to pick a side. Does everybody understand it now? And Jonathan lived a life. Unfortunately, now, the Bible, we, we just read that his, his soul was knit to King David. His soul was knit with him. But the problem was he did not want to let go of his father. He was trying to play both sides of the fence. And we're going to read about Jonathan's end in a little bit. Verse 2, but Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. Everybody see that? And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto his Saul, his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee. And because his works have been to, to thee, word, very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel and saw it and did rejoice. 
Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, As the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Oh, so it looked like we got the victory, doesn't it? I can be friends with David and Saul, my father. Sometimes we take the mindset, we can be friends with believers and the world. But that's not the way it plays out. The Bible says, the word of God tells us to be friends with the world is to be an enemy of God. And brothers and sisters, in this life, especially in the times that we live in, we need to make up our minds who we're going to live for. We can't belong to God and be cool with the devil at the same time. As this story unfolds, let's go and keep reading now. And there was, verse 8, and there was a war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from who? From who now? Who was that evil spirit from? The Lord. Wait a minute. Now David is uh, God's servant. Why does he keep sending Saul an evil spirit? What is the evil spirit doing? It's coming against David. Now the idea is for David to take the throne. Why is God stirring up mess? Why not just leave Saul alone? And I'm going to tell you something, brothers. That's the reason why some of you, <laughs> you got to get cussed out by folks before you let them go. You got to see the devil in them before you turn them loose. So that you'll know that there is a devil there. God don't intend for you to get along with worldly people. Does everybody understand that now? He does not intend it. Folks, listen, what incentive do the unsaved have to come to the Lord when you befriending them? You take away the incentive that God wants to use you for. As long as you're trying to get along and trying not to rub folks the wrong. Listen, brothers and sisters, nothing get polished without being rubbed. God was polishing David. You trying to get in good with this fella because you just hoping one day he going to take the crown off, crown off and put it on your head. But the devil ain't interested in crowning God's people. Does everybody see now? So when everything is peaceful and, and things are like the way they were back then, where well, we all friends and I could be real good friends with Jonathan and I can go, uh, you know, have a night out with, with, with Saul and we've all cool again. Then God messes all of that piece up. <laughs> By sending <laughs> an evil spirit again to King Saul. Isn't that something now? You know God is determined to keep that line drawn and keep you on one side or the other. 
Let's go ahead and keep reading now. Verse 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was sent upon Saul, was upon Saul, as he had sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. What message is God trying to send to King David? You cannot be in my perfect will, keeping company with evil. How many of us, let's think about what King David was doing. He was entertaining Saul. How are you going to remain in the presence of God entertaining the world? Trying to hobnob with him, trying to keep up with him. God in his righteous <laughs> indignation is making sure that King Saul does not taint King David. And I, I can't tell you, brothers and sisters, how in the past we've tried to warn people, even that were part of this ministry, that the world is trying to taint you. We've tried to warn people, tried to warn them, tried to warn them, tried to warn them, and they would not give heed until they got tainted. Let me make this clear. That's not just Newton's first law. That's the Bible. Does everybody understand that now? You own that straight line that God set you on until you decide to give in to the outward temptation. Does everybody see that now? To an external force. And what'll happen is you'll find yourself way off in left field somewhere, not being able to figure out what went wrong. What did I go wrong? What did I do? You'll understand it better as we go through this. Let's go to the 20th chapter now. If you continue on, we're not going to continue on reading chapter 19, but if you continue on reading, you'll see that David went home, basically got his clothes, packed some stuff. Now, who was he married to at the time? Michael, Saul's daughter. And she let him down through the window to help him escape. But of course, we know how that story ended, don't we? She ended up turning against David. Before it was after her father had died, she ended up turning against David. Hated him with a passion, couldn't stand him. Now, how did she go from that, letting him down and through the window and helping him to escape from her murderous father to looking at him with a disdain? I tell you how. She kept company with her father. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, you're not there. It is impossible. You are not going to disobey God's word and come out victorious living for God. There's an old saying, you are what you eat. Some of us, we loved, especially growing up, we loved junk food. Do you know why it was called junk food? Not because it was sweet, not because it tasted good. But your body could not, there was no minerals in it, no, nothing in it, no nutrition in it that was good for your body. It was junk to your body. The only thing it did was went into your mouth, 
down your throat, into your stomach, and then pass through your intestines, and then into the commode. Your body could not pull anything from it that it could use. So then you have to ask yourself, what use are some of the people in your life that are doing one of two things? They're either pulling you towards God and helping you to stay on that straight and narrow, or they're pulling you away from God to cause you more problems down the road. But nobody's neutral in this war, and you better understand that. We're in a war, and nobody's neutral in it. If they're not living for God, they're living for the devil. There is no in-between. And the deception is, well, people are nice. They're nice. They never did me nothing wrong. You ain't talked about God enough. The devil ain't going to do you no wrong if you ain't trying to cast him out. If you're not a threat to him, does everybody understand that? The devil don't care how religious you are and how, how much you go to church. The Lord, when the Lord showed up in this world, he was going into church and devils got to cutting up and acting a fool. They wasn't doing that before. It was something greater than they were that was there. The devil is not threatened by compromising Christians. There's no threat to him. Does everybody understand that now? And he's definitely not threatened when we're trying to play both sides of the fence. Trying to get along. Trying to make sure we're not, not ruffling any feathers. Well, brothers and sisters, if the devil got feathers, we better ruffle them. Does everybody understand that now? I'm telling you, we ought to be living such a holy life that people ought to be mad at us for no reason. It ought to be folks that can't stand us and they don't even know why. Does everybody understand now? <laughs> and I'm not preaching this for us to go out and purposely make enemies, but I'm telling you, if you living for the Lord, you got enemies. If you living for the Lord on purpose, you have just <laughs> recruited an enemy. Does everybody understand it now? So we're going to read now. Let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, And David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said, and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father, that he seeketh my life? Now, uh, that, you know, we, <laughs> it probably ain't a Christian in this world that haven't boohooed that song. What have I done? Why don't people like me? He still don't have any idea. It's, this is something now, and, and I want to explain this spiritually for you. By this time, who's, who's the king in God's eyes? David is. And Saul know it. Now, you have to keep in mind, and you may wonder if you've ever sung that boo-hoo song about why don't people like me and why, what if I, I'm a nice person and all that other foolishness. Since when does the devil care how nice you are? All the devil says is one thing. I've lost my place, and you are in it. At one time, I was the apple of God's eye, and I'm no longer that. Now you are. That's all the reason the devil need. Does everybody understand that now? If God knew who you were before you were born and and had I actually mapped out your life before you got here, then the devil hated you for it before you got here. And the devil ain't got to sit down and study you and figure out, okay, it looked like you about to start living for the Lord. 
if for no reason at all the devil would hate you just because you were made in the image of God. You don't even have to be living for God. Just because you were made in his image, the devil hates that image. And so we have to know that we have enemies, brothers and sisters. And we have to know sometimes that enemy shows up in flesh and blood. And we also have to know we can't play both sides of the fence. You're not going to get along with God and then and still hobnob with the devil. It just it's not going to happen. It's not going to go well for you. And the devil is counting on that. The devil is counting on the rejection that you're dealing with to cause you to compromise. I tell you what, we as believers, we better learn to, to welcome rejection. That's the reason why it's important for believers to get over past hurt real fast. Because if you don't get over past hurt, you'll go to try to be friends with an aunt. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? You buy an ant farm and name them all. A thousand ants in there. And you can tell the difference. <laughs> or you can just care less about it. It's easy for people to accept salvation. But it's hard for people to fathom in their minds a whole world hating them for no reason. A whole world rejecting them and not even knowing you. That's the thing about it. You don't even know me. Or maybe the spirit that's on the inside of them know the spirit that's on the inside of you. And this is an ancient war. So as believers, brothers and sisters, you know, I remember when, uh, before we went to basic training, uh, when I was in, in the military, before we went to basic training, uh, my recruiter told us, don't, when you go to basic training, don't show up there in your, in, with a bunch of, su with a suitcase. This is not the movies. When you're in basic training, you're in basic training. They're going to give you what to wear. Just show up with, you know, of course, you know, true to form. We had folks showing up in their suitcase with their clubbing clothes because they thought, you know, basic training in the morning and then clubbing at night like in the movies, but that's not the way it was. They gave us our uniforms, and those uniforms were meant to fight in. W the, in the Navy, our uniforms were, were buoyant. They could float, and we were taught we're, that was part of our exercises in the Navy. We, we would get in the pool, and we, we could take our uniform off, our shirt and our pants, and tie them together in such a way to where we could and blow into them and tie it up, and it would float. Now, that was just our the Navy's branch of, of uh, clothing, and uh, they were just, they were built to float. And, and so when we, brothers and sisters, when we enlist in God, God's army, we have to accept the clothes that he gives us. Whatever he gives us is for a reason. You, you don't, you're in a war whether you like it or not. And that, that's why the Bible says to put on the whole what, what kind? Armor. Not your warm-ups. Not what's comfortable. Armor. Do you know armor was not comfortable to wear? It was all brass and iron. 
It wasn't the soft cotton that you got on today. That armor, does everybody understand that now? It was not for comfort. It was to save your life. And nobody understood wearing 100 and 200 pounds worth of clothes. It was heavy. You're marching the war. You might have to march 100 miles. Nobody understand the logic of it until the devil is throwing darts at them. And even today, people don't understand the logic of God allowing you to go through things until the devil starts coming to test you with it. And what happens is when we, when we as believers refuse to suffer, when we refuse to allow God to, to map out our lives and to do it the way he want to do it, then we find ourselves ill-equipped when the war comes. So is everybody there now? Chapter 20. All right, we're gonna, let's go ahead and keep reading. Uh, <laughs> verse, at verse 2 says, And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Everybody see that? You see the naivety of, of Jonathan? He's naive. He understands, eh, sometimes daddy, in his mind, sometimes daddy won't, gets in a bad mood and he tries to kill you, but it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. He's going he gonna to tell me everything that he's planning on doing. Does everybody see that now? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 3, and David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he said, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Now, I want to just stop here for a second. So who's saying this right now? King David, right? Look at what he says, the last part. There is but a step between what? Me and death. Now, uh, brothers and sisters, we might not like living there, but we live there. And if we embrace living there, well, we know there's just a step between us and death, like what King David said. Then we could be like King David and be one of the most. King David wrote most of the Psalms that we sing. There's a reason why he was able to write that. It's because of what he was going through. Everybody and their mama want to sing a song of deliverance, but nobody want to be in a position to have to be delivered. King David wasn't writing about somebody else's experience. He was writing about his own when he, when he wrote those songs. He's one of the most plagiarized people in the world, in the history. Because people taking the songs he wrote and making their own song with it. Not that he would mind. But the reason why a lot of those songs are so personal to us today is not necessarily because of his experience, but because of the things that we have gone through when we embrace what David says here. That's just a step between me and death. In other words, I, I'm meant to suffer. I'm meant to go through something. Let's go and keep reading. Verse 4, Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, moon, and I should not 
fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field until the third day even at even. If thy father at all miss me, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he say thus, it is well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee. Notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself, for why shouldest thou bring me to thy father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell it thee? Do you still see how naive he is? He, in his mind, okay, so daddy only, he only threw a javelin at you twice. What's the big deal? You got away. Come on, let's go back and eat at his table and see if he done calm down some. <laughs> I tell you, believers can be some of the most naive people when it comes to this war that we are in. Does everybody see that now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 10, then said David to Jonathan, who shall tell me, or what if thy father answer thee roughly? And Jonathan said unto David, come, and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow, any time, or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and, then, and I then sin not unto thee, and show it thee, the Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan, but if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with my father. And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me thy, the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. When jo then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because, thou, because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, then thou shalt go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself when the business was in hand and shalt remain by the stone easel. And I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad saying, go, find out the arrows. If I expressly say unto the lad, behold, the arrows are on this side of thee, take them. Then come thou, for there is peace to thee, and no hurt as the Lord liveth. But if I say thus unto the young man, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. And as touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. So let, I'm going to stop there. So does everybody understand what happened so far? They've made a covenant, another covenant. And Jonathan, Jonathan, basically what they're talking about is a sign between the two of them. David is out there hiding somewhere. 
If you keep, we're not going to continue to read, but I'll just tell you what happened. So David is out there hiding somewhere, and the sign is this. He's going he's gonna to bring one of his servants with him. He's going to shoot the arrows, and he's telling David, listen to what I say to the lad. If I tell the lad that the arrows are on this side of him, in other words, between he and I, he's gone too far, so the arrows are closer to me, then you'll know that there is peace in the house. In other words, the deal is, David knew he was supposed to be sitting at King Saul's table to eat with him. And he, so he knew if I'm absent, then, do, then Saul is going to notice it. And I'm, going, I'm trying to figure out what his demeanor is going to be. And so Jonathan tells him, this is how you're going to know. If I shoot the arrows and you hear me say out in the field that the arrows are closer to me. In other words, they're not beyond the young man the young lad that I sent out, then you know there's peace and you can come back home with me because daddy is fine. But if I say that they're beyond him, in other words, they're far, they're uh, past him, then you know to go ahead and flee, keep running because he's in a bad mood. And so that's what happens. Jonathan is sitting at the table the first day, daddy don't say nothing. The second day he's sitting at the table, his daddy asks him, where's, where's David at? said, oh, he, he went to Bethlehem, you know, to do his yearly sacrifice. And he gets angry. And he gets angry enough to where Jonathan understands, okay, yeah, daddy ain't coming down off of this. He, he's upset. So then he takes the lad and he does, what he, he, tells, he does what he told David he would do. He shoots the arrow and he shoots it beyond him, in other words, past him. And he tells him to go get it. And he's yelling in such a way to where David could understand. And David flees for his life. And so from that point on, this began his 16, 15 to 16 year journey of running from Saul. Now in this 15 to 16 year of running from Saul, where is Jonathan with Saul? Where is Michael, David's wife, with Saul? But the Bible says that Jonathan's heart was knit with David. His soul, they were best friends. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I'd rather cut off flesh and blood and be in good with God and not care what flesh and blood have to say about the decisions that I make concerning me living for God. Whatever it is God direct me to do. I, I'd rather be in good with God than to live 15, 16 years <laughs> with an enemy of God. Now, doesn't it appear when you read this, doesn't it appear that Jonathan's gonna come out on top? After all, you helping the next king, somebody that God had anointed to be king. Doesn't it appear that God, that he will find favor with God? Don't, don't you think so? Just naturally thinking. Don't, don't you think, well, you know, Jonathan is doing, is ministering to David in a way to help to spare his life from King Saul so that David could live in the will of God? Wouldn't you think that it would turn out good for Jonathan? When you think that? I'm, I'm looking for answers. He 
he's doing the servant of God a favor. I'm helping, I'm, I'm an inward spy. My dad is not going to keep anything from me. I, I, so I can be in good. That's the same lie believers tell themselves. Does everybody understand that now? I can be, I can play both sides of the fence. I hear my relatives talk about you, and then I come and tell you what they say. <laughs> but the problem is, <laughs> seeds are being sown. The devil don't mind you being a spy, because that's how he get to plant the seed. The deception is, in your mind, I'm not, I'm not receiving that. I'm just hearing, I'm just listening, but I'm not receiving it. Let's go, let's go now. Let's go look at the end of this matter. Let's go to the 31st chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. Again, brothers and sisters, let's think spiritually about it. Verse 1, now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul. Everybody see that? Followed what now? Hard upon Saul and upon who? And the Philistines slew who? Who did they slay? Everybody see that? And Saul's other two sons. Now let's jump down to verse 8 of the 31st chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men rose and went all night, listen, and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burned them there. Does everybody see that now? Wait a minute. I thought Jonathan was going to have a good end. I thought he was helping King David. But look at how he died. The same way his father died. And let me make this clear to all of us that's sitting here tonight and all of us that will hear this message. You'll die according to your compromise. Does everybody understand that now? In other words, whatever compromises in your life, that's what you leave here with. Jonathan would have been more, much more help to King David if he'd have just left with King David. 
but he didn't do that. He tried to play both sides of the fence, and it cost him his life. Does everybody understand that now? He was conflicted between his father and his friend. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves. What good would it have done for his soul to be tied to King David, but him to still go to war for Saul? Brothers and sisters, when we come to the Lord, our whole value system is supposed to change. I'm not going to war for people out in the world. I left that life. I don't care what kind of connection we had before, before then. I can only be friends with people that are friends with God. Does everybody understand that now? Because if not, I'm going to die the same death. I'll leave here before my time. Does everybody understand that now? So the shortest distance between two points is what? And the only way something can disturb that straight line is if what? There's an external force that comes to get people off course. Now here's what you have to ask yourself. What external, and this is for each of us personally, what external force have come to knock you off course? So let's, let's change gears here just for a second now. There was a scientist named Chatelet. One of his laws was energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but transformed or transferred from one form to another. Does everybody understand that now? How many of you understand that? That energy can't be destroyed. It can only be transferred. Does everybody understand that now? So we got them up here driving the car. You driving? You driving? Patrick, you supposed to be looking that way, driving. What you doing? You resting? So let's think about it. I'm trying to give you a visual. How many of you parents have ever looked back to the back seat and told your children to be still? Be still. How many of you have ever done that? I have. So let's say, for instance, you're in a car that's going 70 miles per hour down the highway. And you look behind you and tell your child to be still. How many of you have ever done that? You're driving fast. You're going to whatever the speed limit is, and you look behind you and you tell your child to do what? Well, you tell them now, be still. Is it possible? No. Do y'all focusing on this? Is this a car right here? So they're going 75, 70 miles per hour, right? So how is it possible for them to be still? I tell you, in our minds, that's the illusion. In our minds, that's the illusion. The only thing that makes the illusion a lie to us and make us believe that it's an illusion is if we crash. So let's think about what a car wreck is like. You going 70 miles per hour. You have no idea in your body that you're doing 70 miles per hour until your car hits something and it comes to a dead stop. But what keeps going? Does everybody understand it now? And so then we say, well, energy is transferred. It ain't, it don't, it don't, it, it don't come to a rest, it's transferred. It, you can't kill energy. 
So let's think about what happens when people wreck at 70 miles per hour or at a 55 miles per hour. I have tried to picture in my mind, and my prayers is I'll never experience that, but I've tried to picture in my mind when I'm sitting in the front seat or even in the back seat, what all the body has to go through to go through that windshield. You sitting down with your legs in front of you, resting, doing whatever it is you're doing, and you hit something at 55 miles per hour, you can go through the windshield. It, you ain't tucking your body and, and going through there. Your head goes first. You think about where your legs are up against the, the seat. Some kind of way your legs got to contort to get through there. Now, here's the thing about it, and this is where we're going, brothers and sisters. You see one person up here driving, don't you? Isn't one person driving, but he's got his family with him. Does everybody understand that now? So whenever we give in to the devil, he's the driver. Jonathan's the driver. Does everybody see? And if he has a family in the car with him, and, and everything seemed to be at peace. You, you know, children, when they're in the back seat, they go to sleep. In their minds, they're depending on the person that's driving to be responsible. But let's say he's not responsible. Let's say that he's doing other stuff, just not paying attention. And they they in the back seat, you know, just resting, just just, you know, not thinking about anything bad happening. Let's say that now. And, and so he wrecks. Who all does it affect? Is he the only one in the crash? You know how many men I've seen wreck their families? By making bad decisions? I can't tell you the number of men I've seen, the number of people I should say, and especially men, because see, this is where we're supposed to be right here in the driver's seat if we're the man. Now, if we let that wife up here, we're gonna wreck every time. That's, a, that's guaranteed. That's out of order, and that we're gonna wreck every single time. But, it, 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 you know, maybe we manage it. Maybe we know, okay, I'm supposed to be driving, and we drive. If we are not on that straight and narrow that God have called us to be on, we're gonna wreck. It ain't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Does everybody understand that now? Uh, the, 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 the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. If I get off course in anything, if I got a family, my whole family is going to suffer because I have gotten off course. Does everybody see that now? Now let's take it a little bit step further. We're talking about compromise. Every day in our lives, if we're living for the Lord, the devil's gonna try to tempt us with something. He's gonna try to bring something to us that's designed to get us off course. And it's not gonna always be obvious. Which is why it's very important that we be 
sincerely prayed up and we be sincerely watching for our own souls. Just to show you, we just showed you a young man who was friends and his soul was, was tied with the right individual, but the problem was he did not want to let go of the wrong individual. He was trying to play both sides of the fence. And the devil took that and used that and killed him with it. Now, if you continue to read, uh, just to show you now, don't, didn't we just read that energy is not, you can't kill energy? No, you, you can't kill energy. It's only, it's only transferred. Now, think of energy this way. The world calls it energy. We're going to call them spirits. We're going to call them exactly what they are. There's no way in the world you're going to keep company with an evil spirit and something not come over you. I don't care how strong you think you are. If you ain't there to cast the spirit out, well, then what are you there doing? Does everybody understand that? So the covenant that we just read in the book of 1 Samuel was Jonathan saying, look, my offspring, let them be blessed by you basically when you become king. Me, don't, don't do me any harm, and don't do my offspring any harm if when you become king. That's basically what he was telling King David. So David, after Jonathan was killed, David remembered the covenant and went and got who? Mephibosheth, the son of, of, of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul. And you remember he went and got Mephibosheth? He was the one with the injured foot. Went and got him, let him live in the palace with him. He ate at his table with him. But do you remember the end of Mephibosheth? After King David's son uh, turned on him and took over his kingdom, a man who was, was friends with King David's son went and lied to Mephibosheth and told him something bad about David, lied on, on King David and lied to Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth believed it. And from that day forward, he had a disdain for King David. He died with that disdain for King David. Even though King David took him into his house, again, energy is never killed, is only transferred. The question is, are you in the vicinity of that energy? Are you listening to it? Or are you watching it? Does everybody understand that now? When I was um, when I was living in Tulsa, I had a, I bought a motorcycle, and uh, I, I remember riding it. That was the first motorcycle I had, and as an adult, when I was a little boy. My daddy bought me a, a little toy motorcycle that was, you know, just like how people buy the, the little cars that can go, the battery-operated ones that they could sit in and drive. I had a motorcycle that was ba uh, battery-operated. And so from that point on, I wanted a motorcycle as well. And so when I became an adult and I was living in Tulsa, I bought one. And uh, I started ride, riding it to work. And uh, my old friend, Scott Porsche, uh, he asked me, he asked me, why don't you drive it as often? You know, why don't you drive it that much? I said, man, I said, I, I'm still, I just feel funny every time I drive it. I said, I, you know, it's just, I get a funny feeling like I'm on a fair ride. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we like about it. It just felt like I was on a fair ride, you know, the whole time driving it. 
and and it, it still feel that way whenever I ride the motorcycle. It, it feels like I'm on a fair ride, like that that excitement in your body that you have whenever you're on something fast like that. So the question is, why don't you feel that way when you're in a car? Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. When you're on the outside of something, you can see it for what it is, the same way King David could. But when you're on the inside of something, you don't see it. It don't, it don't feel that way. In a car, you're not giggling and, and Googling over the, the ride. You can go 100 miles per hour and not feel it. But on a motorcycle, you're on the outside, and you're feeling the wind, and you you feeling everything that's hitting that motorcycle and hitting you. And that's the thing about it, brothers and sisters, spiritually so. When you yoked up with the devil, you're on the inside, and you don't see the danger of it. The whole time, David is trying to tell Jonathan, your daddy is crazy, and he want to kill me. Jonathan said, no, daddy, sometimes he's just getting a, good, a bad mood. But I'm going to see if he's okay today. Uh, yeah, he tried to kill you several times, but you know, you, you know, ain't that big of a deal? It's not that big of a deal until your body is on a wall. And so when you come to church week after week, we warn you, the devil is trying to kill you, and this is how. But if you're yoked up with him, and you're on the inside, just trying to, be peaceful with all everybody and everything. It ain't that big of a deal. And it takes somebody on the outside to tell you, yeah, <laughs> it is a big deal. Does everybody understand that now? Newton's third law. For every action in nature there is an equal and opposite reaction let's go now to the 10th chapter of 1st Corinthians the 10th chapter of 1st Corinthians we're going to give you the solution here. So everybody, is everybody still thinking spiritually about this car wreck? Let's think also what we read in Newton's first law. Every object will remain where? Will remain where? at rest or in uniform motion. In other words, you're not getting off course in a straight line unless what? Compelled <laughs> to change its state by the action of an external force. Everybody see that now? Unless some external force come and talk you into changing direction, you're not gonna change direction. The reason why people fall off with God and the reason why people fall off into sin is because some, they have been compelled, in other words, convinced by some external force. So let's see what God's fixes for that now. Is everybody in there? The 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians? We'll start reading. Let's read verse 13. There hath no what? No external force taking you, but such as is common to man, but what? 
God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Everybody see that now? But will, with the temptation, also make what? Make what now? An opposite. Newton's third law. Everybody see that? An opposite force. What's that opposite force? This Bible coming out of your mouth. The word of God. That this is the equal and opposite force to help you stay on course. This Bible coming out of your mouth. Jesus Christ did it in the fourth chapter of the book of Matthew when the devil come to tempt him. What did he say? It is written. You think the Lord knew something about Newton's law before Newton was born? This is the equal force to keep you on course. Everybody understand that now? So you hear somebody, and I just, you know, I don't, I don't like putting myself in it, but I, I have to do that. I, I'm gonna just use this as an example. When Brother Junior was alive, if I heard, if I'd ever heard anybody speak something against him, and I know he's responsible for watching over my soul, I'm not going to let that go in one ear and out the other. I'm going to stop it when it hit this ear, and I'm going to combat it with this mouth. Does everybody understand that? Do you know there's no such thing as going in one ear and out the other? What's in between your two ears? <laughs> it ain't empty up there. So it's not going in one ear and out the other. It's going in both ears, into your brain, and down into your heart. And that's what had Jonathan sitting ready for the war, to go to war with his father. Does everybody understand that now? That's what had Mephibosheth ready, just willing, waiting on to hear something bad about King David. Brothers and sisters, the devil, listen, if you're going to live 60 years, the devil don't mind, he don't mind you being on the path for 50 of those 60 years. The whole time, he's going to be planting seed because he know in that 51st year, I got you. You sit and listen to my foolishness long enough, and I got you. And I can't, I've seen it in, even in this ministry. I've warned people and warned them, listen, don't, don't listen to that foolishness. Don't, don't, uh, it ain't, I mean, that's just how they think. That's how they feel. And I'm telling you, it's something deep down on the inside of you that want to hear the foolishness. And the devil know it. He's got a Trojan horse in your heart. Everybody see that now? It's amazing. I've seen that play out time and time again. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you ain't going to disobey God's word and live to tell about it. And come out on top. That Bible means what it says. Evil communication, corrupt good manners. I can't, you know, that's one of, that's one of the most quoted scriptures we quote. And yet people still fall into that. Uh, not me, though. Not me. I'm strong. There ain't nowhere in the world you can withstand God's word. You can't withstand that word. Does everybody understand what I'm saying now? 
If God says in his word, evil communication corrupt good manners, he meant it. You cannot get around that word. And so I just, I pay attention. My heart, I, I should, could say this, was knitted with Brother Junior's heart. So there was no way in the world I was going to sit at the table with Saul. No way in the world. Does everybody understand that now? No way I could sit at the table with Saul and, and, and run my family in the ground. I wasn't going to do that. Does everybody understand that now? I, I wasn't going to do that. You got something to say. I, I like the way what Pastor Darby said in one of his messages. He said he heard somebody, one of his friends was talking about his man of God. And, he's, and he took him straight to his house. Come on, let's, let's go tell the man of God what you just said. Repeat, we repeat what you just said. That's the way that ought to be done. If, 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 if the man of God is in charge of your soul and they're watching for your soul, then why would you let, why would you let somebody rock you to sleep with it? Unless, how can two walk together except they agree? Listen, brothers and sisters, and let me make this plain. I don't believe for one minute that Jonathan wanted David dead. In fact, he was really living in the opposite. I don't want you to kill this man. It, it ain't done you nothing wrong. But here was the problem. He died the same way his father died because he kept company with him. You don't have to agree. They took on that same spirit. Does everybody understand what I'm saying now? So they died the exact same way. You can say, well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything like that, but you keep in company with it. Does everybody see that now? God, listen, this is in the Bible for a reason. God did not spare Jonathan. He could have, but he didn't spare him for this message today. You could say, well, I'm not against so-and-so. I'm not against them, but you keep company with folks that are. And they ain't got to be, listen, <laughs> they don't have to be, you don't have to be on the same journey. You don't have to even agree in having a common enemy. But listen, brothers and sisters, God knows the heart of people. Our soul ought to be more precious to us than to be friends with the enemies of our souls. And, and listen, I'm, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we got to get to the point where we don't care what people think. We don't care what they got to say. I ain't trying to be, you are not that important to me. You just ain't, you just not that important to me for me to go to hell behind listening to you. Trying to please you. Because when it's all said and done, when you get done jumping rope for people and tap dancing to their tune, they still got something to say about you. If this thing would have played out the way it should have played out and the way it could have played out, Jonathan could have been right there in King David's court after his father had died. He could have been an advisor 
to King David. But he refused. He did not know how to break off this loyalty that he had to flesh and blood. Does everybody understand that now? I tell you what, we better decide who we're going to be loyal to. Because I'm telling you, this world got all kind of good ideas to throw you off track. All, they come up with all kind of stuff. And they'll hit you in that little soft spot. Does everybody see that? When you gonna let me see my little grandbabies? When you come up here? When you come to church, you can see them at church. Does everybody, and I don't, that's, this is where they are. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? I'm telling you, I'm telling you about me. Ain't nowhere in the world God's gonna call me out of Egypt and I'm gonna send my children back there to visit. God don't run that kind of party. Does everybody understand that now? If it was worth visiting, he wouldn't have called you out of it. <laughs> You'd still been there. So we just have to let people talk and not care what they got to say about it. Because here's one, one thing I do know, the devil when he's moving is for a reason and it's for a purpose. Does everybody see that now? And he's so slick with how he does things. See. So let's let's go this route now. So you still driving? Y'all still relaxing? <laughs> you see what he's driving with? Does everybody see that now? That's another thing that throws people off. Does everybody understand that now? The whole world is based was on the in, on the other side of that internet, on the other, and the devil had made it convenient. You know, when I was growing up, my mother bought us a computer. When I was in high school, we had to go to the dining room table. Now the devil and brought the computer to your fingertips. You can be in bed and wait. The first thing you do is wake up and grab your phone. Does everybody see that? And it's, listen, and it's all kind of demons on the other side of there. Don't the Bible, don't, didn't we just read that energy is transferred? It, it don't ever. It don't ever come to rest. It's just transferred. The, the, the illusion is, it ain't that big of a deal. I know right from wrong. I'm, see, I'm being still. And you have no idea how much it's done affected you until you wreck and bones are broken. You didn't know you were in that car going 70 miles per hour because you're inside of it. And a lot of times people don't know the danger and refuse to accept it being preached from the pulpit until it's done all came to pot. The Lord would rather us be obedient than to be, have to be delivered. Does everybody see that now? Just say this.
So y'all see this imaginary vehicle here? And that vehicle could be anything. The vehicle is the tool that the devil uses. When you're on the inside of it, you don't know how fast you're going. And that vehicle could be friends, could be family, it could be social media. Does everybody understand that now? Mindsets that we refuse to let go of, all of that stuff is going 100 miles per hour to hell. But when you're on the inside of it, you don't, you don't feel it. You don't, you don't feel it at all. It's just, I'm just, you know, just browsing. In the middle of last month, I had a vision. I saw people, and the people I saw in this vision, they were good people. And I saw bands of evil spirits walking the streets. And I saw these evil spirits killing and maiming these people. And I understood that these people were good people. And in, in that vision, I thought, now this, ain't, this don't seem right at all. This doesn't seem right. Why would a righteous God allow good people to be killed by these evil spirits? What have they done? These people were not directly related to these spirits. Does everybody understand what I'm saying now? So I, I just use this as an example. I might have saw the, 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 the spirit of lust out in the street, and it killed somebody that was not dealing with the spirit of lust. And I couldn't understand, why would the Lord allow that to happen? They didn't give in to that. So I'm watching this go on for quite a while, just these spirits out there in the streets and killing folks that, that, that did not succumb to them, that did not yield to them. And I couldn't understand why is this going on? And I knew right away after thinking that, that the Lord was just. That's, one, that's the thing that he flooded in my mind in that vision. I'm just. And he was allowing that to go on. That's, that's one thing he put in my mind. I am just. And so then after I accepted that, what he told me, that he was just, then he told me they've broken a spiritual law. I want to make this clear, brothers and sisters. Now, my prayer is that you'll understand this before we close. Jonathan's mistake was a mistake that believers today make all too often. He did not want King David dead like his father did. But the fact that he kept company with his father allowed him to take on that same murderous spirit, which is what got him killed. That, that spirit had a right to kill him. Some of you, 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 you watch YouTube all the time. You watch certain programs on TV. You're connected to folks online connected to different people just wherever and in your mind you think well I'm, I'm not falling into nothing this is just all innocent but you know what happens over time the devil is counting on you blind blindsiding you you don't have to be at all listen let's think about something it ain't hardly a person in here that isn't subscribed to somebody's YouTube channel. Isn't that right? But then think about who you subscribe to. 
do you know what kind of spirit they got when you subscribe to that do you know what they dealing with in their own personal life because that's the spirit that you've given permission to enter into your life that's what the law was showing me a person don't have to be dealing with lust at all but that spirit of lust can get a hold of you just the same because you have put your check mark on somebody that's got it and that's what I saw in that vision those spirits were just going through the streets just killing people good people had nothing to do with taking on what they were what they had so it wasn't this idea if they had to fall into temptation first some kind of way to be killed does everybody understand that now I, can I share a conviction with y'all that I had some years ago some years ago when I first moved to Tennessee uh, a friend of mine he and I we would go to Hooters to eat uh, to me they got some of the best wings you gonna ever taste in life uh, but after sitting there a couple of times I said no I can't do this I don't want to see all of that uh, and I told my friend I'm not I can't go to you know and you, I, I can't go back there no more with you. Now, that was his favorite, one of his favorite places to eat. But I told him, I can't support this business. Y'all know why, huh? It don't take all that to serve chicken. Now, if I had disobeyed, what the Lord had instructed me concerning that. Ain't no telling where I'd be today. Somewhere way off, if, if still alive, somewhere way off in La La Land. That's the way the devil does it. That's, that's his trick. Does everybody understand that now? You see, what, what Jonathan came up short as, it, it was something about his father that he liked. That was his father. But he didn't know how to cut that off. So because he didn't know how to cut that off, he died the same death his father did. Does everybody understand now? In other words, you don't have to know what that person on the other side of YouTube is dealing with. You don't have to know that at all. The devil is counting on you not knowing. People ain't getting on there saying, man, I'm struggling with suicide. Will y'all pray for me? No, they're on there putting on makeup. If you pay close attention, you'll see what spirit is there. That vanity ain't nothing but death, a slow death. Because you ain't going to never look as good as the devil looked in his heyday. It's a slow death. Does everybody understand that now? That's what the Lord spoke to me years ago. The spirit of this world is never satisfied. So you just on there just getting a few tips on how to put up makeup and how to fix yourself up. You know, God don't want us walking around looking like ragdolls, so it don't... It ain't that big of a deal. But that person on the other side of YouTube that's doing that, they're not telling you they're dealing with a spirit of suicide. And the problem is that, that that spirit of suicide, it'll come after you first. You'll be gone before they are. Does everybody understand that now? I, I'm trying to show you the trick of the devil, brother. So see, inside the car, you have no idea what's going on on the outside of it. You just as comfortable inside your own home you're inside the car you don't you just watching youtube you don't you ain't got to know what's going on in their world 
But when death come knocking, does everybody understand that? And you know how it's done come knocking? All of a sudden, you're not reading your Bible like you used to. The person that's putting on their makeup ain't reading it. The female that's giving you singing tips and, and makeup tips and all that, they not reading. So, and then you wonder, well, why, why all of a sudden am I just, I can't pray. I have to pray to pray. Because that wasn't the title on the YouTube channel. They didn't tell you if you if you continue to watch my channel, you're gonna lose your you're gonna lose your zeal to pray. You continue to do this, you ain't gonna feel like doing this anymore. All your zeal gonna be gone. They're not telling you that. That's the trick of the enemy. Does everybody understand that now? Brothers and sisters, we just have to take God's word for it. When you're in a car, you're doing 70 miles per hour. You ain't got to feel it. <laughs> and God don't want you wrecking before you know it's real. Does everybody understand that now? And brothers and sisters, I done seen plenty of people wreck. I done seen the devil break a whole lot of people from ignoring this kind of message right here. I done seen them break some people. And the sad part is they done wrecked and don't even know it. Why? Because they chose to not pick a side. I can live in good with David and Saul. I can, I can save King David's life and I can go to war with the enemy of King David. And God says, not so. Ain't nobody going to heaven without picking a side. You're gonna have to pick heaven. Does everybody see that now? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this word that we've heard today, Lord. God, we pray that you will help us to take heed. Help us, Lord, not to fall into the tricks and the traps that the enemy have set. Forgive us, Lord, for those times that we've ignored the warning that you've given us. Lord, right now, we ask that you will help us, Lord, to, to move forward in the things, Lord. Help us to stay on the straight line that you've set for us to walk. Help us, Lord, to give heed to your word, Lord. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel the danger, Lord, help us know that there is danger that's near. Help us to know, Lord, that your word is the only thing that can steer us and keep us on the straight path. God, we ask that you will help us also to see if we've gotten off course, what has gotten us off course. Help us, Lord, not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. Lord, we know now that we have to lean and depend on you for guidance. Help us to see what the devil is doing by faith and not to have to experience it and repent later. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, we thank you all for coming. And uh, we thank you all for riding on this little ride today. <laughs> My prayer is that we've got the picture now. It, when, it ain't just you that's being affected. Does everybody understand that now? That's the reason why I could have just picked one up here, but I wanted to put three people up here. Whenever you get off course, it's other people that's tied with you. Does everybody understand that now? All right, you can go ahead and stop. All right, so if that's all now, we're going to be dismissed to discuss what we've